We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. With the third pick in the 2020 NBA Draft, the Charlotte Hornets select LaMelo Ball from Chino Hills, California. TJ. Oh! All right, what's up, everyone, and welcome in to another Buzz Beat, your Charlotte Hornets podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This is Richie, and I'll be joined by Spencer today. How's it going, Spencer? Uh, going pretty good. Can't complain. Um, caught a majority of the Mavericks game from last night today. Didn't get through all of it, but uh, yeah, kind of a bummer performance there i think the mavs had some hair on their back in that game after the beating they took in dallas so uh but yeah i can't complain it's going well how about you what's going on not a whole lot not a whole lot i was telling you beforehand i'm, I'm growing out a mustache spencer uh only because it's for my class i'm reading a book called mustaches for maddie which is about a girl who uh, has a brain tumor but she kind of always makes light of things by putting on a mustache on her face or putting a mustache on someone else's face so it's a good social emotional type of book to read to the kids and i told the kids i would i would grow one out for the book and i didn't really realize that i was going to commit to this but i'm 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 growing it out and you actually confused me for gordon hayward <laughs> yeah we jumped on and i was like Where, where's richie why am i looking at gordon <laughs> hayward right now but uh no it's good good for you so that must like really spice up cla a virtual class i guess a little bit when the kids see you with the mustache i guess i guess yeah um and, and my hair kind of grows pretty quickly so this is only a couple days worth uh right now it's kind of at an awkward stage but uh it'll get there it'll get there well it looks pretty good yeah i mean it does it kind of yeah it kind of fits naturally i think on you so <laughs> See how long this experiment lasts. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't do well with facial hair because it just like irritates me. So I, I typically shave, uh, you know, pretty much every other day uh, because I just, I just hate the feel of it. But anyway, we are recording this on Thursday at 5 p.m. And like Spencer said, uh, we had watched the Hornets in the Mavs game on the previous night. But by the time you guys are listening to this, they would have played the Raptors. And as promised, we're going to finish off these Twitter questions. We did a pod earlier this week where we recapped the Knicks game and we were able to touch upon two of the questions, uh, but not all of them. So check that previous episode out. If you had a question, uh, we probably either answered it on today's pod or the, the one from Tuesday of this week. So we're going to start it off with a listener question from a guest from Div at Stat Center on Twitter. 
What is one player that you would like to see get more minutes for the rest of the season? And then one player that you would like to see get less run? Uh, let's go, obviously, with the more minutes part of the question here. And then we can transition over to the second half of that question. I think the obvious answer, or maybe the answer that most people are wanting to hear, is probably LaMelo Ball. He's getting like 25 minutes a night. I think in due time that will come. So I'm not going to go that route. My answer is going to be Miles Bridges. Uh, he's averaging kind of around that area too, 25, 26 minutes per night. You know, being moved to the bench role obviously is going to see a decrease in your workload like he has. But I would I would like to see him closer, you know, even if it's just like 28, 29 minutes per night. Just give him two or three more minutes over the course of a game. I think he's been a pleasant surprise this year, just from the eye test. And even some of the numbers back that up as well, Spencer. The offense sees like a, an uptick when he's on the court. Feels like the team scores on all levels of the court when he's out there. You know, it just just something a little bit different when he's out there. He's 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 developed a little bit of playmaking. He's developed a little bit more ability to play on the ball. He and Lamelo mm-hmm. have played well together. Um, him as a role man has been something that we've seen with him and Lamelo working together, slipping, uh, grabbing that ball and going up for the dunk. It just seems like he he has done well this year and he's embraced that bench role. And, and I think, like I said, he's just shown improvements in a lot of different areas. He's definitely not a perfect player by any means. Uh, he still struggles sometimes on the off ball when it comes to defense, but I like the way that he's getting downhill. I like the way that he's playing with the ball in his hands. And so I would say miles bridges for this question. What are your thoughts on miles? And then, and then to the answer to the question, who would you like to see get more run this season? So, I mean, yeah, to touch on what you were saying about Miles, I, I do think he you know, he just gets more athleticism on the floor for Charlotte, which is what they need uh, more of as much as possible. I, you know, I think with the pace they want to play at, right, mm-hmm. with their, their lack of ability to pressure the rim offensively, he gives them, you know, that ability, as you talked about. He's had some moments defensively this year where he gets his hands in passing lanes. Um, you know, allow Charlotte to get out in transition. Sure, I, I just think he adds a little bit of chaos to the game that, that is kind of needed for this team. So I agree. I, I think he probably does need to see three, four, five more minutes. And I think what that would mean is uh, Charlotte's that, – that means they're getting three, four, five more minutes with that small lineup, right? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> when he when he plays the four and PJ's at five, like I, I think it just means more of that. Uh, there's certainly an argument to be made that the Hornets should be doing that more with only one center on the roster right now. So I like that answer. The the guy that I would say I'd, I'd like to see get more run is more like of a seedy answer, I guess. It's Jalen McDaniels. I, I remain like a little bit infatuated, probably a little bit too much <laughs> with, with him and his, you know, kind of scratching the surface of abil- ability to be potentially a legit 3 and D um, rotational guy one day. You know, he was, he was playing early in the season. I thought he looked okay. You know, he was not okay. I mean, I thought he was shooting the ball pretty good. And although he gets knocked off his spots defensively, he's always in the right position. Like, he's a good help defender. He can at least, like, make stuff around the rim difficult. Um, although he's not, like, a you know, a, a high-percentage shot blocker. So I, he's one of those guys where I just – I would rather see more of him and less of, like, the Cody Martin and Caleb Martin – experiment that that i get parts of it and other parts i'm like what what are we doing here i think that would be my answer but you're right i mean everybody like wants to hear 
Lamelo, you know, Lamelo needs more minutes. Look, Lamelo's minutes are coming, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Especially yeah, yeah. if Devontae Graham continues to struggle. Even if Devontae Graham gets it going again, like Lamelo's going to play more basketball as the year goes on. Don't worry. So I think I would go with Jalen McDaniels here. I, I just I remain steadfast in believing he can help this team, especially on the defensive end. Yeah, I like that answer as well. Uh, he's clearly not fully in the rotation with Borrego. We, he's probably seen less and less minutes as as the games have gone on. It feels like he's probably not even part of the eight nine man rotation as of now. He does fit that bill as that you know three slash four type of guy. Very lanky. He can get to the rim and score at the rim. He's a low usage type of guy where you can just have him spot up and shoot threes, but also he can he can beat a closeout as well. And then obviously just just based off of his build and what you were talking about, he can be a factor on the defensive side of the court. I noted last year that it te- he tended to be a better perimeter defender than he was a, a defender kind of down on the post, just maybe because of his his build. But he has added weight over the off season. And then back to the point about about Miles, you know, playing with the more small lineups like you mentioned. I don't believe Miles has played a single minute as a three this season. And so when you look at the lineups, he's either in there with PJ at five or he's in there with Biz or Cody, Cody Zeller at five. So I don't think he's played a single minute as the small forward this year. And that could be unlocking some things with with Miles Bridges uh, in terms of just being able to work in the space uh, that is given to him. So maybe he's just embracing that role a little bit more and maybe that's where he's best suited to play. Yeah, I mean, the, the line of combinations just like don't exist right now without Zeller, you know? Like he he has to play the four. And I agree with you. I, I, I mean, I, we've said this for a long time. I, that is his position. I mean, he's undersized, obviously, defensively to play that. But I think the scheme Charlotte is, uh, is playing right now in the zone, you know, shields a lot of those deficiencies for him um, just with, with height. Uh, you know, being overmatched. So, yeah, I mean, until Zeller gets back, Miles is playing four. I mean, it's the only position he really mm-hmm. can play. Mm-hmm. And you kind of touched upon this on the second half of the question from Div. Which player would you like to see get less minutes? And the players that you mentioned are exactly the players that I have listed down here. I would, well, first off, let me just say this. I would like to see less minutes with Cody and Caleb together. Uh, they've played 43 minutes together. Well, this was going into the game against Mavericks. And offensive rating of 94.3, defensive rating of 107. So that's a net of negative 12.7. You know, while they're different players, I think the wing slash forward position is Charlotte's deepest. And that's probably a big reason as to why McDaniels isn't playing a, a ton. If you want other players around you know, the Martin twins to get more minutes like a Miles Bridges, like a Lamella ball. I know that Lamella ball is not a wing or a forward. Somebody's minutes are going to have to go down. And and I think to, if I, if I was Borrego, I would just stick with one Martin, whoever has the hot hand, play these two less, you know, time together right now. Uh, I would actually choose Caleb just because he's making shots. But if that shot starts to, to kind of go down, then, and then, you know, Cody Martin might be the hot hand play him so to get more minutes for miles to get more minutes potentially for Jalen mcdaniels like you mentioned stop playing these two together just just choose one i I don't know what they add when they're out there on the court together other than maybe this like twin synergy that they have but uh (laughs) right other than that i I just feel like they're not duplicates of each other but it's just i don't know exactly what you're adding yeah no I, i i agree with you they're not at all uh, duplicates of each other. I mean, they're actually vastly different players in a lot of ways. Um, Caleb has looked better this year, for sure. I mean, he's he's a slasher. He's an attacker. He plays with zero fear. 
Um, and I, and I think that's really what Borrego's leaned into. I mean, I think he's, he's been seeking out Caleb Moore, uh, with these minutes for, for offensive reasons, but he, he's been pretty good defensively, uh, too. I mean, we, we saw him get some spot, um, defensive possessions on, on Luca last night. Cody just looks, uh, Cody Martin uh, looks like a shell of himself this year. I mean, we were very impressed last year, I think with like his playmaking ability, um, you know, his pace, his patience with the ball and the pick and roll. Like he, he just showed, an ability to get to the rim, get to the foul line, and create offense for himself and others. We really haven't seen that much at all this year. Um, so I think Caleb has earned the minutes uh, that he's gotten. But I agree with you. I, I'm not unless we believe in some kind of twin superpowers. I'm, I'm, I don't. I don't really know what we're doing here <laughs> with these two. I mean, but I, I should also say. I mean, I mentioned athleticism earlier, and they do bring both of them mm-hmm. some athleticism to your lineup. And, and defensive intensity um, when they're out there together. So there's some versatility they add. I just, I just don't know why a guy like Jalen McDaniels has just been shunned from the lineup uh, for what seems to be these two guys. Yeah. What are your thoughts on on Biz's minutes? Because he he, I mean, obviously he's the starter at this point until Cody Zeller gets back. When Cody Zeller gets back, do you feel like Biombo should just not be a part of the rotation as much, or do you feel like he'll still get minutes? Uh, yeah, I mean. You know, I, I think I think it really boils down to how comfortable is Borrego with this, you know, PJ Washington at five small ball. You know, just biz just can completely get squeezed. Uh, Cody plays the the center minutes, and then we downsize when he's not in there. You know, or do we really just go to the small ball in spot situations, and maybe at the end of a game? Uh, and Biz gets his ten to twelve minutes, and Cody plays the rest at the center position. I, and I don't know. I Biz is um, he's not helping this team win. There's a stat that I like to look at every now and then. Five thirty eight dot com has a, a kind of a raptor. Uh, it's it's basically an efficiency stat, but like Biz is like far beyond uh, the the least efficient player of the eight guys that really play uh, so far this year have played enough minutes to qualify, uh, which isn't surprising. Like he doesn't, he just gives you nothing offensively at all. And he's actually been a little bit of a negative on defense, believe it or not this year, you know, according to the Raptor stats. So you got to love biz. You got to love what he brings. He always plays with a lot of energy uh, and passion and he'll have a nice block shot every now and then, but he just, he handcuffs this team offensively to such an extent and it's really the reason the Hornets – it is a huge factor as to why the Hornets are a bottom five offense um, yeah. in the league right now. And there seems to – I mean, until Cody Zeller returns, like really doesn't matter how good LaMelo ball plays. I mean, there's just like no path for this team to be an average offense in the NBA right now with Bismack Biombo being your starting center. It's hard not to root for the guy just because of what he does off the court and just – the, the the locker room presence that he has and how he's taken LaMelo Ball under his wing and, and just the relationship that they have there. But to your point, with all these slow starts that the Hornets have had, I'm sure a big reason is Biz. Like you can only you can only appreciate Biz so much for his hustle and for his, you know, his backside blocking or, you know, his improvement in passing the ball. But when it's all said and done, he's not necessarily making this team a whole lot better. Hey everyone, I want to tell you guys about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here on Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you're going to receive personal cover art, 
Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all the other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for $15 a month, the same rate any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you would like to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, next question. At McGowan Mason, thoughts on Borrego's philosophy behind his rotation slash minutes distribution between the Martin Ball-Graham combination and chances of finding another big on the trade block? That was a big theme with a lot of these questions, Spencer. Just talking about bigs. Go go get a big. Go get a big. But let's talk about the, the Martin's Ball-Graham rotation for a second here. I, I think for now... Uh, right now, I, I think it still makes sense to start Devontae. I think that's the right move. I think in due time, like we said, LaMelo will probably take over that starting position. But when Devontae's out there, he still has that threat of spacing. Um, he still has that threat of the outside shot. He's still a good facilitator. Uh, there's a lot of things to like about Graham. And even when you look in the on-off numbers with Graham, they're still, they're still crazy high, uh, kind of like they were last season. Here's the thing with LaMelo, to me. I, I do think he'll get more minutes, so I don't think we need to worry about that. And he does deserve more minutes, but this offseason has been like unlike any other, right? You know, the, the team is at a shortened training camp. He hasn't had a summer league like any other rookies. I don't feel like Borrego, and I, and he hasn't been, and I, I don't feel like Borrego should be overextending him, kind of like the Cavs are doing with their Coro. Coro is playing like 35 minutes a night for, for Cleveland. Um, I think working him into the rotation slowly is the right move just because of how crazy this offseason has been. He's making an impact coming off the bench. And when he does come on the court, you see that noticeable difference uh, with the team's energy and just getting up and down the court. So I don't mind the philosophy behind Borrego's rotation slash minutes between these, between these players. And then to our previous question about the Martin twins, to me, to me, it all boils down to just, just play one of them. Uh, I mean, Caleb is shooting the ball well right now. I see no reason as to why he should be taken out of the lineup. 
or the rotation, I should say. And he's actually scoring at the rim this season, which is uh, which was a low spot for Caleb last season. So that's kind of my my thoughts on the the ball Graham situation. I like the way that Borrego has approached it and how they're bringing him, bringing him along slowly. I, I agree with you. Um, I do think that Borrego should find ways to get to the Devonte Graham, Terry Rozier, Lamelo Ball uh, line. You know, three man. Mm-hmm. You know, plug in your other two lineup combinations more and earlier you know i know you have to like stagger rosier and graham kind of out of the gate to get Lamelo in and get him those minutes but it, like i, I just you, you really can't you can only trust the martin twins so much so i would like to see if we're going to try to win and you know make the playoffs or the play-in right. game we got to find ways to get to that that kind of three guard lineup combo more often so I, that's really that's the first thing that comes to my mind rich i mean i i I'm fine with the Martin twins, like, you know, getting these minutes here early in the season. But I, but I do think that Borrego and, and that's a way he can get LaMelo on the floor more, right? Like that's how he can get him to 30 minutes a night is to get him in there more when Rozier and Devante are on the floor uh, and, and split half of the, you know, some of those minutes with Biz as the five and PJ as the four. And then the other one of those minutes with Gordon as the four uh, and PJ is the five, uh, you know, and, and Miles also gets some of those minutes. I mean, there's ways to do it. Um, I mean, you got seven guys you really trust, so you got to get to those. You got to get to those minutes more often if we're going to be serious about winning games. I think would would kind of be my feedback. Yeah, and if you're trying to win games, I mean, it's it's kind of hard to look down the road. But to my point earlier. You don't want to be overworking Lamelo on such a shortened off season, and if you want to keep him fresh for later in the season when the Hornets might be making a playoff push for that eight seed, nine seed, whatever it may be, uh, I think it's a smart move to kind of work it in slowly. Okay. Yeah, and I would. The only other thing I would add to that is like, if we're also, you know, if the Hornets have a vested interest in really getting Devonte Graham out of this. Um, shoot slump but i don't even think it's a slump i mean i think it's mm-hmm. a regression to the mean really more for for his shooting but he needs more off the ball opportunities he needs more catch and shoot opportunities he needs to get to the corner more often i mean the t- the, the hornets as a team need to get more corner three opportunities more often and and how you get to all those uh is by getting Lamelo ball on the floor with him more often so you know I, there's a lot of different reasons to get Lamelo more minutes as i said earlier i think you want to get him on the floor with your two most lethal shooters uh rosier and 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 Devontae. but you also want to have him out there with Devontae as much as possible um to get Devontae cleaner looks i mean just like watching that game last night against dallas like he's just i mean you know the scout the scout is out on him you know they don't let him come across along you know um over ball screens free um there's a lot of attention on him and he's tentative so you know the hornets are really got got to get creative in getting him clean looks and Lamelo ball is the way to get there yeah to your point Devonte graham Lamelo ball and rosier have not played a ton uh together this season and it's a question that keeps coming up in some of the media availabilities to borrego and he understands the benefit behind playing those three i guess it's just more of you know whose minutes are going to get cut uh in the process there all right Next question at rough 42 early trends that you see as unsustainable. Okay. So I guess we, I guess we're going to go the pessimistic route here. Uh, and I'm going to say that opponent three point shooting is not going to be sustainable. Uh, Charlotte, according to cleaning the glass is fifth 
or around there, I should say, around fifth in the NBA in defending the three-point shot. That might have changed uh, since the Dallas game. I'd expect that to go down a bit, and here's why. I'm not saying it's been total luck by any means, but the Hornets have given up the second most wide-open three-point shots in the NBA, and they are in the middle of the pack when it comes to giving up open shots. And I think wide-open shots is defined by six-plus feet uh, from NBA.com. So when you don't have a, a defender that close and the team is fifth in the NBA and allowing um, you know, the, the fifth lowest three-point percentage, to me, there's a little bit of luck involved, and I think that that is going to have to go down. So they're they're going to have to get better on defense. They're going to have to get better in terms of closing out and, and being in the vicinity of shooters because eventually giving up that many open shots is going to catch up with you. So that's the one trend that I see is, as unsustainable. And, you know, it, it may not be the second worst in the league, but right now they are giving the second most wide open threes in the NBA. Yeah, there's two things. You, you know, you just mentioned one of them. And the one you mentioned kind of cascades and the more overarching point I'm going to make is they can't sustain – the defense they're playing right now. Charlotte's a top 10 defense that is not going to last. They're 10th in the league in defensive efficiency. And I think if you just, if you just watch this team um, and you didn't know where the rest of the league stood, you, you know, you would guess this was a bottom 10 team. So, um, and you, you mentioned, you know, the wide open threes. I, I think that's probably, there's probably some strategy to that. I mean, you see new Orleans is like, I saw a stat today, you know, they're leading, uh, in the history of basketball, no one's giving up more three-point attempts in New Orleans, and that's by design. And I think it's by design in Charlotte a little bit, too. They are making teams shoot over the top, which is why we're seeing a lot of zone defense. Um, but they're also allowing teams to get to the rim mm-hmm. constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you you look at a, gla- uh, a stat on cleaningtheglass.com, which is, you know, we've talked about it before, location, effective field goal percentage. Hornets are always one of the best in the league offensively. They're actually dead last in terms of defense. But they're somehow floating a top 10 defense. Those two don't add up, right? Like, so there's going to be some regression to the mean coming. Uh, yeah, I just, there's no way this defense can keep holding this kind of water. I mean, it's going to, by the end of the year, I would predict, you know, before the season, I said, I, I see a path to where this could be a top 20 defense, but that's where I'd top it out at. So I, I think it will, it will end up somewhere in that range um, because they're giving up a lot of threes and they can't, even with his own defensive scheme, they cannot keep the ball in front. And then when the ball gets to the rim, guess what the Hornets have none of, they have right. zero rim protection, you know? Right. So there's right. just, there's, there's very little resistance. And um, so, yeah, that, that's going to come flying back to earth. And maybe that's when we, you know, blink here at the middle of the season, the Hornets are, eight games below 500 we'll say what happened it's like well the defense is, is finally finding its true colors here it's funny you mentioned about because we've we've texted about this before about how Borrego loves to run zone and I asked him a question the other day about by running so much zone does that limit the development of how you know you play man-to-man and, the, and those types of principles Basically, what I was trying to get at was like, is he playing zone at a necessity or is he playing zone just to kind of switch things up? But he he made a point, and I don't know if you would agree with this or not, but he's making the point that the team, by playing zone, by playing man, by switching back and forth, it does enhance the ability to play defense. And he keeps mentioning, and I, and I don't have these stats in front of me, but he keeps mentioning that the, the Hornets defense in the half court 
is top five or like around there, top five in the NBA. He says the issue arises when the turnovers come and the transition defense, that's all baked into uh, the statistics there. And, and I will agree, like Hornets, I feel like even during the Clifford days, I feel like the transition defense has never been a strong suit of this team. And then when you do turn the ball over, you know, 17, 18 plus times, uh, that's not going to be a good recipe for this defense. So I don't know if you agree with that response that that he gave to me about it enhances the defense by switching back and forth between the zone and the man-to-man. No, I mean, like, this is what Nick Nurse does in Toronto, right? Like, mm-hmm. and I said, I might have said this on a recent podcast. I, I think that the idea of switching back and forth and keeping teams on their heels, mm-hmm. and, and like Brian brought up, I think, in the last pod, like using it in out of timeout situations. And, you know, it's to take whatever they drew up on the sideline, the coach, come out in the zone or come out in the man if you were in the zone, come out in what you weren't playing before, and that's probably going to stymie whatever they had planned. Like, that stuff's normal. That It's kind of basketball 101. But, uh, and by the way, he, he's almost right. Charlotte's eighth in half-court defense, according to Cleaning Glass, uh, 92.6 points per play. I mean, that's pretty good, right? Like, that's less than one point per possession. So I, I get it, but back to my point about Toronto, like, it's successful for coaches like Nick Nurse and teams like Toronto because they have they have the personnel to do it right. Like they have Pascal Siakam, they have OG Ananobi, they have. Um, I mean, they, they got a lot of athletes, right? That are very versatile and switchy and what have you. Charlotte doesn't have that at all, so I, I would almost rather see them. And they have a young, a lot of young players too. Would be my other point. So I would almost rather see them be more consistent with what they're doing because it, it seems like this is a confusing concept for them to wrap their heads around. And maybe maybe you just got to play through that, and and that's fine. So, but I, I I wish there was a little bit more consistency, I guess, defensively, um, especially for guys like Miles Bridges. You know, like he needs to learn to play defense the right way, not switching up defenses every other possession. I mean, the guy can hardly think his way through one possession of, of defensive basketball. So, like, to switch it up on him, assignments, um, and what spots he needs to hit every other possession seems seems a little far-fetched. But that's just my opinion. So, uh, you know, I, I get what Borrego's trying to get right. to, but he doesn't have the personnel to do it yet. Yeah, personnel's half the battle. Personnel's half the battle. One thing that I have noticed in the 2-3 zone, and, and to your point, on the previous pod, or maybe it was two pods ago, where you were talking about how the zone that they're playing now looks slightly different than what they played at the beginning of the year. One thing that I've noticed is that, let's say, okay, they're playing two, three zones, so there's two up top. It's kind of hard to explain this in words, but basically if if the ball is on the left-hand side of the court, you have that one guard that's, that's near the ball. And then for whatever reason, um, let's say Rozier is on the right-hand side, he's creeping over more towards the middle just to kind of contain any kind of penetration. But teams have been doing a good job of swinging the ball across the court. And mm-hmm. so the closest man now is the guy on the bottom on the weak side, and he's having to come up and, and you know close out. And it just creates a lot of scrambling, just, to, just as yeah. a wooded man. But that's what I've noticed teams have been doing against this 2-3 zone. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a good point. And we really saw this. I, I tweeted it out today. We really saw this with Dallas, like Luca last night. 
I mean, he's he's so freaking smart. Um, but it, it kind of comes out like it's a two-three zone, but it looks like a matchup zone at first because the Hornets will they'll pick up the ball when it crosses half right. if it's a really good ball handler, lethal offensive weapon like Luca. So we saw Rozier go up and meet him around half court, and then whether it was Devontae or Lamelo, they kind of prop themselves at, right at the nail. And then right. we saw Luca a few times just bring the guy that would be in the dunker spot right to the top of the arc, which occupies that second guard defender. And then he just uses the inside leverage that Rozier or Devontae or whoever is trying to shade him towards the sideline. He just uses that against him, and now there's space. And he just walks right down the lane and lays it in. You know, that's where the Hornets have they they gotta they gotta short up. Like if they want it, if they want it to look like a man-to-man or a matchup zone or whatever when it's actually a zone defense with two, three principles. They've just got to be more locked in because Luca. I mean, he, and whatever, he's the smartest basketball player in the world. So maybe this is not to be uh, – this is to be expected, but th- they've got to be tighter in that area. Um, it, I, I just found myself like a few times last night thinking – or today watching some of this is like, why are they picking up the ball at half court? I understand it's Luka Doncic, but like – you're playing a zone defense, so the concept is to keep the ball in front. He's one of the weak parts of his game is three-point shooting. Like, why not make him shoot over the top? Right. Why pressure him and then give him all this space in the middle? So, anyways, and you know what? Uh, they're going to see similar. You know, the, the idea will probably be similar against Toronto in these next two games. You know, with Kyle Lowry bringing it across half, like they're probably going to want to pressure him. And Kyle Lowry's smart enough to bend the zone, to your point you were making earlier. And Toronto's probably getting a lot of shots at the rim. So I, I would, like, if you're going to play zone, fine. But, like, pack it in. Yeah. Like, yeah, make it, him shoot over the top. It almost creates too much, like, too much space, too much gaps that are unnecessary. I don't mind Rozier picking up, you know, full court, three-fourth court if it's man. And, and I've noticed that a couple times this year where he's done that, maybe either to try to speed up the game or just to be, you know, pestering the guy in the backcourt. Um, and one more, sorry, Richard, one more thing too. In this zone scheme that we, we've we seen, and this is not you know, just a Dallas game. I saw it a lot in this game. But, the you know, the two, the wings in the zone, the two bottom guys, not the okay. one in the middle, but the two bottom guys, they got to do a better job of playing the gap between the guy, you know, the, and if you're just looking at a 2-3 zone on a clipboard, the guy, you know, the defender that would be on the elbow and the elbow, they've got to stop that dribble penetration and make the ball go to the corner, right? I know that nobody wants to give up corner threes, but like, again, I keep coming back to this idea. If you're going to play a zone defense, keep the ball in front. So if, if the initial defender is getting beat, that guy from the corner has got to come up and make that ball, ball go back outside. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I just don't understand why else you would be playing a zone. You can't be playing a zone defense and allowing teams to get to the rim at the you know at the volume that the the teams are against Charlotte right now. I mean it just it defeats the purpose to me. So that's something else I've seen that Charlotte has got got to clean up. All right, so here comes the run of questions about trades and big man and targets at the deadline. Uh, but this this next question, I'm just going to group the next two questions together. Uh, at wrd ninety ninety. He's just simply asked, where is Monk? <laughs> and then the next question comes from at BuzzCity12. Since we are not playing Monk, who is a possible pl- post-player trade target for Malik Monk? So first off, I, I just I always struggle with the trade machine. I really do. Uh, I, I either can't find a realistic option or the other issue that I have is, is creating a trade that moves the needle for the Hornets. Mm-hmm. I'm looking up and down the league, and I'm not really sure what team actually needs Malik Monk right now or would want Malik Monk. 
I even maybe tried to do, what did I do today? Oh yeah, I did a like a little challenge trade with the Clippers with Monk going to LA. Probably gonna mispronounce his name. Fiondu Cabignelli. Oh, um, Kevin Gelly, yeah, from yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. that doesn't work straight up because Clippers are a tax-paying team, and they can yeah. only take back like two and a half million, and Monk is getting paid five. So even when I try to do something as simple as that, I just I can never find a trade that works, and I'm not sure there's a ton of value right now for Malik Monk. I almost I, I challenge our listeners to to send us a trade that's fair, sure. that moves moves the needle for the Hornets, and also works under the salary cap because I'm struggling. I'm struggling with that. So. What are your thoughts on Monk's value, first off? And then secondly, have you thought of any kind of center trade targets that could work with Malik Monk? I mean, I, don't, I would guess that Malik Monk has no value in the NBA uh, in terms of the trade market right now. Um, so I, I just think it's really, really difficult to come up with <laughs> with trades for him. I, I mean, you're, just, you're not getting anything back of value. Um, so therefore, he has no value, uh, I would think. But I mean, if, if the Hornets, you know, if you want to upgrade this the center position, um, which I think is debatable. Like, I, you know, I, I think there's this idea that they really they need to do it. Like, it, it should be priority number one, uh, you know, on the action item list for this team. I don't know if I totally agree with that. Number one, because PJ Washington is, you know, lineups with him at five are still succeeding from a net rating perspective over uh, twelve games or how many, however many the Hornets have played. And then number two, like Cody Zeller is coming back this season. Like he will be back. We don't know exactly when, but it kind of feels like it's not too far away. So, the only, I mean, the team you have to look at, though, if you want to upgrade the center position is Cleveland. Like they've got 13,000 centers on that <laughs> roster right now. Like they're not going to stick with all of them. I think that the name I've seen a lot um, from not only some Hornets fans, but just 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 a hot name on Twitter right now is Larry Nance, and I think yeah. I think that's a good one. Um, I like Larry Nance a lot. I mean, he's a, he's a really good offensive rebounder. He's an energy guy. He's you know he's he's developed his game too. where he can shoot it from the outside. Now, I think the Hornets would obviously be totally fine playing him at center <laughs> since they play a six seven guy at center um, for about four, you know thirty five percent of their minutes. So great target. I'm not sure you know what you're giving up to get him that becomes the the tough question but you know like richie we, we always get these like we get these trade questions and, and trade scenarios come up with the hornets all the time but it's like if the hornets are gonna make a trade to improve this roster they're gonna have to move on from a young what i think that hornets fans would consider is an asset and that doesn't mean malik monk because he is a negative asset, even on a rookie contract at this point. He just is. He has no value. So, like, if we're going to make a trade to improve the center position or just improve the roster, right? Right. Just get another dynamic offensive wing. Like, Miles Bridges has got to be in the trade, in my opinion. He has to be. And I was kind of okay with if the Hornets wanted to trade up to number one in the draft, which was some of the buzz back whenever the draft is. I don't even hardly know what month it is anymore. But, you know, Miles Bridges' name came up, and I said, look, I don't think that that price is too steep. If you've got your guy at one that you want, Miles Bridges is fine. He's improving. But I'm I'm not, you know, I'm not a big Miles Bridges guy. Like, I think he is what he is. He's an athlete. He's going to improve on the margins, you know, defensively. He's going to be an okay three-point shooter. You know, we've seen a little bit of playmaking chops this yeah. year, but like, I feel like I'm, they, I feel like I'm the highest yeah. on Miles out, out of all three of us. 
Well, it's not, it's hard not to be right. He's one of yeah. those guys. Like I've learned my lesson on, on a lot of these really athletic wings in the NBA where you just like, they do something and you just drool. You're like, Oh my God, this guy could ever put it together. Right. Like Jeff green is the most, the, the probably the most famous example of this. And I think miles kind of falls in that bucket, but I just, anyways, I, I don't want to get off on a, on a tangent here, but if you want to improve the roster, I do think that he still has enough value across the league to where if you traded him, you could probably get a pretty nice piece back. So he's got to be in a trade if you want to improve this roster. Are you saying that for Nance or just in general? I, I think he'd have to be in it for Nance. I really yeah. do. Yeah. And, and, and I, I mean, if you want to improve the center position, let's, let's you know, uh, zoom in a little bit. If you want to improve the center position, I think Miles Bridges has to be in that trade. Yeah. And I, I think some people would be uncomfortable with that move, especially with, you know, like I said, with the way he is playing this season, he, he's taken some steps in the right direction. Again, he's not a perfect player by any means. And here's my thing, going back to Monk in this question, it seems like he's not part of Borrego's rotation at all. For whatever reason, you cannot use the COVID excuse anymore. Obviously, that, that set him back. But uh, at this point, it doesn't feel like Borrego trusts him at all. But... I do feel like I feel like Brego's got to try him. He's got to try him with this new look offense, with this new look roster. He would bring something um, that is lacking at times. Like we we do not finish well around the rim. Malik Monk does. He has that ability to be aggressive and get towards the rim. He's also a facilitator with the ball in his hands, something that we are lacking as well. So I think it's fine if you just let him play out the season and his contract expires and we don't necessarily get anything in return for him i'm okay with that but i do feel like borrego needs to trot him out there get him some minutes see what you can get out of him and and if you can put him on the court maybe he does up his value just slightly just slightly if that's the route that you want to go yeah i mean i i i agree i mean i do think that the hornets should try to find a way to get him on the court somehow yeah. It's just, I think what the, the real challenge is at this point, outside of the fact that Borrego doesn't trust him. I agree with that, Richie. I, I don't, I don't think Borrego trusts him either. I think that's the main reason we're not seeing him out there right now. But when you have small guards like Terry Rozier, Devontae Graham, and, and LaMelo Ball is not a small guard, but he is a guard that, you know, at this point in his career, 19 years old, he's a little bit of a turnstile uh, with on-ball on ball defense, right? So, like, then add another small guard that, you know, is a pogo stick. Sorry about the crying baby in the background. Um, that, that's a pogo stick to uh, the rotation. It's just, like, it's, it's hard to – it's just hard to get to him. You know what I mean? So – but I will say this too. You know, I brought up the point about Lamelo Ball playing with Devonte Graham. Um, you know, early in the episode, and how that could really unlock Devonte Graham's shooting ability, get him off the ball more. I think Monk could do the same thing because we've seen Monk's ability to create offense. I mean, we saw that very, very uh, vividly. You know, at the end of last season before his suspension kicked in. So maybe if you can get Devonte and Monk on the floor together more often, there's a way you know, to, to get Devonte going there too. But uh, I just pick one of the Martin twins to, to pluck away. Just, just pick one. I don't care what it is. Caleb's numbers look good so far this year. Really good. I referenced the Raptor stat earlier. Caleb Barnes actually leading the Hornets in that stat, believe it or not. So it seems like he's earned his minutes, but like, just pick one and put Monk in. I mean, what are we do again? What are we doing? Like you spent the a lottery pick on this guy. The least you can do is audition him to see if you can recapture his value. Yeah, I think Borrego must have a short leash on Monk, 
and then maybe he's just not performing in practice. Maybe he's taken a step backwards. We don't know. I mean, we just haven't seen him out on the court other than some preseason games. Uh, these next two questions kind of relate to what we we're just talking about. Do we need another center or just wait for Zeller to get back? That's from at that man, Fran. Uh, another question at Bobby Harward two. who are some realistic big man targets at the trade deadline or free agency, even for next year to the conversation that we're just having. I think we do need another center. I think it's, it's a weird position because there are, I've mentioned this before, we do have a lot of bodies at the center position, but it just feels like the bodies are not productive. Uh, you have Vernon Carey, you have Nick Richards, but it doesn't feel like they are ready yet. It, it does not feel like they are ready for the NBA game. And it it's going to do them some good to go play, I feel like, with the Greensboro Swarm. And to your point earlier about, you know, when Cody Zeller gets back, maybe Borrego will favor PJ Washington as the backup five as much as possible. Maybe, maybe getting a center is not all that important. Uh, there was one center that I had my eye on as I was preparing for this podcast, and that was Jared Allen. But we all know what happened the other day where he was traded to the Cavaliers. And he's actually a, a 2021 free agent, I believe, a restricted free agent. Um, I'm not sure if at this point it's going to be worthwhile to go after him because I could see uh, Cleveland just matching that if they're going to trade for him. So I don't know if you've looked at the uh, 2021 free agency class in terms of centers at all, Spencer, but uh, it's not, it's not deep. I mean, yeah, there's not a whole lot of options. I think the best way would be via trade. Um, You know, Miles Turner's playing some really good basketball. I mean, he's kind of like in the defensive player of the year conversation, I would think right now. And I brought his name up as a potential target in the past uh, for Charlotte because, I mean, how much longer is Indiana going to, like, kick the rock down the road with a Sabonis, Miles Turner experiment, you know? So he's a name I would look at. Again, I go back to the Cleveland bigs. Andre Drummond will be a free agent this summer. Um, He's really playing – I mean, I'm not an Andre Drummond guy, but he's playing pretty good basketball this year. And, like, he's, like, passing it from the high post. Like, they're running a lot of offense the way I've I've been pretty impressed with his development, actually. Wouldn't advise the Hornets to draft him because I think he's more of, like, a – you got to kind of throw it to him in the post. I mean, he's more of that high usage kind of big. I mean, I think the Hornets with all these guards and certainly with a mellow ball, I mean, they need a guy that's, that's a rim runner. So Drummond's name comes to mind. Uh, yeah. Should have done more research beforehand about this, but there's, there's, I mean, the point being, there's not a lot of options. I mean, the Hornets really need to, they, honestly, they really need to get into the lottery and they need to get another good pick because like another as in good pick as in like top three, because Evan Mobley would be just so, so, so perfect uh, for the evolution of this team. I mean, him and LaMelo Ball, I mean, it, it would just be a dream come true. Uh, but with the way they're playing basketball earlier this season, I mean, it doesn't look like they're going to they're going to draft that high. But you never know. They had the eighth yeah. best odds last year and, and pick third and might have ended up with the best player in the draft. So, Yeah, that's true. Did you, uh, speaking of Drummond, did you see that possession with him where he had the ball at the high post and he like didn't move for like five seconds? <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, yes. I mean, he's a black hole offensively. There's no, there's no question about it, but I, I've probably seen a few of those <laughs> this year. Richie. I feel like I've seen a number of those in his career 
For sure. I, I don't think I'm like recalling the exact possession you're talking about. I'll, I'll show just, you after. He, or he just yeah, held he the was ball. holding the ball, and I, and I thought my video was not working because it, he literally was not moving, not moving. But then the players around him were. So, okay, wait, okay. So this is not my video glitching. It's just him not moving. And then he drives, Spencer, he drives. And when he goes, he kind of does like a little flip shot, underhand flip shot, and the ball goes backwards. The ball goes backwards. Like I do, of, I, I do know yeah. what you're talking about yes. now. Yes, yeah. yes, I've yes. seen this on the Twitter, the Twitter, Twitter sphere <laughs> somewhere. Um, I mean, yeah. he's uh, Drummond's one of those guys that's going to make you scratch your head, you know, once every four or five possessions. But he's a behemoth, right around the around the uh, the, the rim. He's he gobbles up rebounds. He's become a pretty efficient scorer. Like I said, he's shown some like passing chops from the high post this year. Like maybe there's something more in there you know, to bring out and him developmentally. Uh, but I, I just, I wouldn't advise that for the Hornets, but we've seen, we've seen Charlotte connected to him in trade rumors in the past. Yeah, they, I think they were maybe, you know, having some calls uh, with the Pistons before Cleveland got him in that trade at the trade dead, deadline last year. So I wouldn't rule it out, Richie. That's for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. I'm not the biggest fan, but to your point, we've always, kind of been connected to Drummond in some shape or form. But to all these questions about trades, like I said, I just struggle to find a deal out there that could work also moving the needle. So I'm going to challenge our listeners to come up with some of these fake trades. I'm sure a trade exists out there, but just nothing comes up in my mind. We have a couple more questions. We'll, we'll get to these pretty quickly here. At Fitch for Hornets, seems pretty obvious that Vernon Carey and, and both two ways are headed to the G League bubble. Do you guys anticipate any other players joining them? And then at 95, keep pounding. Will we see Vernon Carey or Nick Richards get any run this season? So those those two questions are connected. And we'll talk about that real briefly here. So it seems, though, um, I think it's like late, late January, they are going to be arriving in Orlando for a bubble. And then I believe in early February, the, the G League games will start down there. The two-way players that, that he mentions are Nate Darling and Grant Riller. He also says it's obvious that Vernon Carey is going to be one of those. I, I can't I can't decide whether or not Borrego favors Carey or Richards. I tend to think he actually favors Richards a little bit more. Question for you. I don't know if you know this. So with this being a bubble down in Orlando, and so you're, you're sending these players to play with the Greensboro Swarm, if you send them down there to Orlando, are you allowed to call them back up to the NBA team, or are they stuck there for that month? Because it's a bubble. Do you know that answer? That's a great question. I would, uh, let me see if I'm thinking about this the right way. I, I would think since they're in a bubble, like they're in the safest situation the NBA has going, right? Yeah, so you would, true. you that's should true. be able to call them back to market, I would think, and, and throw them in. I don't know. That's, that's a great question, though. I don't know if the NBA has decided. I'm sure they have, and I haven't seen it. But No, uh, no neither have I. The so. only other name, though, I, I would say, I, th I think the question was based around, or at least one of them, you know, yeah. who else outside of these two ways in these uh, second-round picks. I mean, Greensboro just drafted Admiral Schofield, number one, right, right. Uh, in the G League draft. So, I mean, he certainly would be with the team. Was really bad with Washington. <laughs> really bad. Uh, although I really liked him in Tennessee. That was a really good Tennessee by, team, by the way. Um, I think he played with Grant Williams at Tennessee. So, you know, I, it's an interesting pick. I didn't, I, I'm not going to like lie to you and say I did a bunch of research about the G League draft before it happened. But, um, you know, Schofield's a 6'5 
wing who is huge for his position, somewhere around 230 pounds. But like I said, he didn't he didn't shoot the ball well in Washington. He had a bad defensive rating. Um, so Charlotte sees something that they think they can develop. So I'll be, that's probably who I'll be most interested in, honestly, even over the two-way guys. I guess outside of Riller, like that guy just interests me uh, yeah. exponentially because of his offensive talent. But yeah, let's let's see what happens with Schofield because the, the Hornets need guys like that, like like mm-hmm. strong wings, um, and not that he'll ever crack the NBA rotation. But yeah, that's who I'll be pay, paying pretty close attention to uh, in the G League bubble. Yeah, I would love to know that answer about whether or not they can, you know, come and go freely or how is that going to work? Uh, because you wouldn't want to send a guy down there and then an injury occurs and, and they're stuck in the bubble or whatever it may be. All right, last question from Barese Filippo for with how things are looking right now, would you give up on Borrego if he doesn't get to 36 wins? So 36 wins, Spencer, is actually a 500 team in a 72 yeah, game season, right? I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, 36 and 36. I, I'm, to keep this answer short, I'm going to say no. I, I, first off, I don't believe Charlotte is going to be 36 and 36 by the end of the season. Uh, I think they're hitting a, a hot streak right now, having won four out of their last five games. And then obviously they have a game against Raptors after this recording. So who knows how that's going to be. But I don't believe they're going to be 500. They might be close to it uh, if they perform at their highest level. But I would not give up on Borrego. I, I think a lot of people find faults in a lot of things that he does but he was brought in here to be a player development coach I think for the most part he is doing that I do like his X's and O's I feel like he's a good X's and O's type of coach clearly the defensive side while it is higher in the NBA rankings right now uh, there are some things that need to be kind of cleaned up but again it goes back to our, our previous conversation Maybe a lot of it deals with personnel, not having the personnel to be a good all-around defensive team, top 10, top 15 team. To Spencer's point, it's probably going to drop down closer to the 20th overall. But to the questions, you know, premise here, if Hornets don't get to 36 wins, are you giving up on Borrego? I'm going to say no. No, I think you you, you let the contract uh, run out here and see how he can perform. But I would not give up after this season. No, no, I, I totally agree. No, I'm not. I'm not giving up. To your point, number one, that's a 500 record. <laughs> so yeah. that would that would be a wild over achievement for Charlotte uh, if they were able to get there. And number two, like you know, Charlotte was projected to have still one of the f- fifth worst, uh, top five worst records in the league into the season you know so they're six and six right now i still think they don't get to 30 wins um but you know what like overall borrego is proving once again although it's super early in the season that he can scratch out more out of team you know he can get the sum out of a team that is greater than its parts and uh and i think that's a really really important thing to keep in mind with him although he's not a perfect coach i have a lot of defensive questions but his philosophy is I think is pretty advanced. He has brought Charlotte into modern day basketball. Love Steve Clifford, my boy, but he is yeah. he's a dinosaur basically at this point in terms of coaching. So like Brago's done so much for this franchise in terms of bringing them, um, you know, up to date. And you just got to get the personnel in here now. And we've seen Charlotte try, try to do it through free agency. We saw him get Lamelo Ball through through a draft like. Give me two, you know, give me one more summer of that, maybe two more summers, like three years from now, two and a half years from now. We're, we're looking at a roster that's ready to win in the Eastern Conference. So, you know, I understand Michael Jordan's the owner, and maybe I understand why uh, this question was asked. You know, maybe we have a little bit of an impatient owner that does want to win. Not maybe, we do. So, 
you know, I hope that this early success does not uh, does not skew the truth, which is we are still in a developmental phase. There is no reason to get over our heads. Stick with Borrego. Two or three seasons from now, we should be picking some low hanging fruit and some real success. I think you judge James Borrego once when he gets the players in here. Uh, the the younger players are developed, and you maybe get a couple more players that actually uh, can produce on both ends of the court. That's when you truly judge James Borrego, not right now with this roster. All right, before we get out of here, I want to make you guys aware of a giveaway that we got going on on Twitter. So get in on that, at BuzzBeatPod. It's for a free T-shirt. All you got to do is like the post that is pinned to our account right now. I will say that the contest does end on Saturday. So by the time you're listening to this, you probably have 24 hours or less uh, to get in on it. If you tag a friend, it puts your name in twice. And so what I will do is put your name in a random name generator, spin the wheel. If you tag someone, you'll be in there twice. And then I will contact you through the BuzzBeat Twitter account. So free t-shirt. I don't even have a t-shirt with the updated logo. I have a sweatshirt with the with the retro logo, Spencer. So we will get out of here on that. For Spencer, I am Richie, and we will see you guys next time. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.